This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. But we're going to bring in our guest and talk here with Mark Zinno from 92.9 The Game in Atlanta. Mark, good to be with you tonight, man. How's everything going? Gentlemen, it's great. Happy uh, Thanksgiving Eve Eve to you. Uh, Still a lot left to do here in college football, and great to be with you. Yeah, great to be with you as well. Let's just get into college football, man. Obviously, the big game, Michigan-Ohio State this week, two versus three. Two questions for you. The first one, who do you like to uh, cover? Who do you like spread? Who do you like to win the game? And do you think the loser of the game still will make the playoff? Well, I'll answer the second one first, which is yes, I do. I think two Big Ten teams both get in, provided TCU or USC stumbles. If one of the two of them stumble, uh, I think the other one gets in. If they both stumble, it could get a little bit crazy here. You might have a shot to get Alabama back in the playoffs, believe it or not, uh, if not Clemson. Now, that said, what this game on Saturday really boils down to is Blake Corum's status, right? And is he going to play? And, you know, we saw Blake Corum out on Sunday passing out like turkeys to local Michigan fans uh, and everything, and he had a little bit of a limp. He says he was good to go, but Jim Harbaugh offered no such sort of assurances that he would play on Saturday. If he can't go, obviously it changes things. But even if he can go, guys, is he really going to be 100%? Do you really think you're going to see the same Blake Corum that we've seen all season long? I would say no. And look at it this way. You know, Michigan scored 51 touchdowns this year. Quarterback J.J. McCarthy has only thrown for 14 of them. You can do some Hmm. math there and say that's only 30% of them. Conversely, Ohio State scored 68 touchdowns this year. C.J. Stroud has thrown for 35. So if you're looking at one quarterback to carry their offense, it's certainly not going to be J.J. McCarthy. And without Blake Corum, that puts Michigan in a bad spot. I'll lay the seven and a half with Ohio State. Mark, you talk about teams stumbling, but, I mean, you'd have to be a frat boy on a Friday night stumbling out of a bar at 2 a.m. <laughs> For Alabama to end up back in the college football playoff, you think that could happen? Okay, well, hear me out here. This is how this goes, and this is the level of chaos that you need. Uh, one, you need TCU to take a loss either this week or in the Big 12 championship because sure. they're going to be out. Most likely the Big 12 championship, that they're not a conference champ, they're out. Again, you need USC to probably lose this week to Notre Dame uh, and and either that or lose in the, in the Pac-12 championship game, they would be out. Now, LSU is going to get smoked by Georgia, so a three-loss team is not getting in. And you need Clemson to lose to North Carolina in the ACC championship game, and so therefore they would be out. Who is likely next, guys? Alabama really rises above everybody else. I know their resume doesn't feel great. They struggled with Texas, but they still have one of the tougher you know schedules in the country overall being in the SEC West. And why would the playoff committee want to put a three-loss team in or a weak TCU team who didn't win their conference or a weaker Clemson team who didn't win their conference? Uh, or, I mean, could Oregon sneak back in if they beat USC, given their two losses would be to Georgia and to 
uh, and to to Washington. I mean, Alabama seems like the most likely candidate if all that chaos happens to sneak back in. I agree with you, Mark. And I we were talking about that. We were talking about how the odds are up right now of who's going to win the national championship. And Bama wasn't offered because what you just said, I mean, you know, a lot of things have to happen, but it's certainly not unrealistic. Not many people thought Tennessee would lose to South Carolina this past week. And obviously that happened. Oh, wait, I did. You, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to call it. I have been screaming for a month that Tennessee and LSU are the two most overrated teams in college football right now. And I've been saying all year long that Tennessee was going to get got because of that terrible pass defense. And they got got to 63 points by a really average South Carolina offense. Well, that's a great call by you. Yeah, they made Rattler look like Mahomes. That was uh, that was not good by them. <laughs> Um, what do you make of their game against Vandy, though, this week? Because I find it really interesting. I think they could lose outright again. Vandy's won two in a row. They have five wins, right? You know Vandy's going to be motivated to get to a bowl game. And without Hendon Hooker, emotionally, where is Tennessee at right now? That, that coming right Going into that Georgia game, they thought they could win the title. They thought they were the best team. Now, they might not even make it to the, to the Orange Bowl or make a New Year's Six. So what do you think of Vandy this week? plus 14 and a half and even winning the game outright. All right. Now, I don't know if you guys saw this, but this was on, you know, a couple of sites out there about Jeremy Banks, their linebacker, who was internally suspended prior to the South Carolina game. Now, allegedly it was over NIL and things of that nature. And allegedly some people, at least around the Tennessee program, and again, I can't verify this, so I'm not putting anything out there. Uh, None of this is verified, but at least the story is, is that a lot of the Tennessee defensive players were ticked off and they just sort of quit because their best linebacker, Jeremy Banks, was suspended for the game. If that sort of internal strife is still going on right now, how do you not love Vanderbilt at home getting 14 points? I think it snuck down to 13 and a half, but I'm with you 100%. Vandy is the side to play here. Tennessee has nothing to play for. They're going to have a backup quarterback. I mean, everything sets up well for Vanderbilt and and Clark Lee, who has been coaching this program to heights that nobody thought was possible this year, to go out and sneak a win. I think the last time they beat Tennessee was 2017, but I love me some Vanderbilt Commodores this week, boys. So we're just talking about, man, there's like seven, eight, maybe nine teams that in theory could still end up in that college football playoff. But we know that Georgia is going to be one of those teams. That being said, who is best aligned to beat that team? It just feels like I'm looking at them right now at a minus 145 to win the national championship. You're telling me that I can get them at minus 145 and all they have to do is win not laying any points in back-to-back games and then I get paid that just seems too good to be true I've said all year long the only team that's going to beat Georgia is Georgia right um when they make mistakes like Stetson Bennett has at times this year they end up in a game against Missouri where they're down by 10 points um at at one point in the game you know they, they made mistakes against Kent State allowed them to hang around they were beating the snot out of Florida until they turned the ball over twice in the second half like hey you take it Florida no no here you take it Florida yeah and all of a sudden Florida turned a a 28-3 game into a 28-24 game Georgia went on to win that game by by three touchdowns but you know it's those sort of things that happen here's one other thing that nobody talks about with Georgia is that they have kind of stunk in the red zone this year when it comes to scoring touchdowns. Now, they're best in the country when it comes to red zone percentage when you include field goals, but they've settled for a lot of those field goals, and that manifested itself against Kentucky as they were only managed to be able to kick three field goals, and Kirby Smart was so frustrated he went for it on fourth and goal from the one-yard line and didn't get in. 
So this is a problem for Georgia that they haven't been able to figure out yet. Now, if they face an offense like Lincoln Riley and USC and Caleb Williams, hit the rewind button, guys. Go back to the first time Georgia made it to the college football playoff, and they played that Oklahoma team with Baker Mayfield and the head coach of Lincoln Riley. Yeah, Georgia won that game in OT, but they also gave up 50 points to Lincoln Riley's offense. So I'm not saying that's going to happen again, but could Lincoln Riley's offense be much more effective than Tennessee's was? Absolutely, I think it could. If Georgia makes mistakes, they could absolutely be beaten. It's just that they don't make many of them. The only other team I'd really give a shot is Ohio State just because they're equally as sound on both sides of the ball, and they have the far superior quarterback with C.J. Stroud. So those are the two teams right now that I would give them a shot. Like, if you want to throw Alabama in there, of course. You know, that's Red Sox-Yankees. It, it, it's, sure, every, sure. it's a coin flip rivalry no matter what when Georgia and Alabama get together. So I wouldn't put it past Nick Saban to be able to beat Kirby Smart. But, it, you know, in reality, again, Alabama's likely not to get there. So give me the nod for Ohio State and USC. That Georgia-Oklahoma calls a good one when they played Baker in the Rose Bowl uh, and USC's yeah. offense, obviously, with Caleb now. What do you make of the Egg Bowl on Thursday, Mark? Because with all these Lane Kiffin distractions now, right, we all thought he was going to Auburn. Then he absolutely dunks on one of the Mississippi reporters saying he's not going anywhere. They clearly just weren't interested last week in Arkansas. They wanted no part of that game. I think the best unit on the field in this game is the Mississippi State defense. That's why I kind of lean that way. But what are you playing here in the Egg Bowl? I mean, first of all, I don't think Lane Kiffin is going anywhere. I mean, it would be the ultimate troll, reverse troll job for him to dunk on the reporter <laughs> and then ultimately take the job anyway. Right. Um, and would you put it past Lane Kiffin? No, because, you know, Lane Kiffin, one, rules at Twitter, and two, does whatever the hell he wants because he's Lane Kiffin, and we all just sort of sit back and enjoy it. Like, if you were a coach, if you have an open coaching position right now, you don't call Lane Kiffin just out of principle, shame on you. Because at least he's <laughs> going to bring some variety to your program no matter what. Now, that said... Uh, this really boils down to uh, how much and how successful Mississippi can be running the football here because they'll keep Will Rogers and that offense on the sidelines if they can have the success that you expect them to have in their ability to run the football. I think you're right. I think there was just some double letdown feeling after that second loss that they took to Alabama that was just like, uh, we got to get back up for this. And, you know, I don't think Mississippi State is very sound um, when it comes to their ability to at least – run their offense as efficiently as we think they they should. You know, I mean, this is a, an offense that with how much they throw the ball, um, they should be able to, to score a lot more. But they've really pivoted to the run this year a little bit more than you would have expected. I, I'd still probably lay it with Old Miss. They're home. It's, it's a game in Oxford for them that really matters and their fans. And, you know, even if Lane Kiffin does take the job at Auburn, it's not going to happen before this week. And that may be part of the reason why he dunked on the reporter, because he doesn't want to lose the Egg Bowl. It's it's a rivalry that he understands and knows that uh, these two teams don't necessarily think too highly of each other. So winning this game is fairly important to him. I'll probably still back the Rebels. Sean, go ahead if you have a question. USC. Oh. USC has had an unbelievable turnaround compared to what they were a year ago. What do you point to the most? Is it just getting the right coach? Is it playing the transfer portal perfectly? Because lots of teams have tried to do what they've done, but they're still allowed to win a national championship. Yeah, and, and what's crazy is at the beginning of the year, like their odds were like 12 or 14 to 1, and now they are you know two wins away from clinching a spot there, and their odds are even longer. Like well, longer, weird. Mark, uh, to enter the season, yeah. they were longer. They were like 35, 40 to one to win the national championship. 
So, I mean, it, it's it's been an interesting, you know, run for Lincoln Riley. Yes, the coach absolutely matters and the quarterback matters, and the offense has been fantastic. And as you hinted or said a moment ago, they dipped into the transfer portal, got 10 guys on the defensive side of the ball, and they lead the nation in turnovers. So it has paid off to a certain extent. Now, this defense still has some work to do. Uh, they, they clearly can be scored upon, but it was a vast improvement last year to, to a team that I think gave up like 60 to, to – to, to uh, Stanford for crying out loud, or 50 to Stanford, whatever it was last year. They gave some absurd number to an offense that's completely impotent. So from that standpoint, yes, I think they've gotten the right combination, but I have also think they've taken advantage of what some people would consider a Pac-12 that looks a little bit softer. I don't necessarily think that. I just think that there are two things that happened out in the Pac-12, and I've, I've watched this conference nonstop, and it was a really smart move for them, by the way, to actually start playing games at 3 o'clock Eastern instead of waiting till you know 7 o'clock and 10 o'clock for every sure. single week because a lot more people are watching this conference now. But, you know, Utah took a step back, um, and UCLA still in a little bit of a transition. You know, Washington had a quarterback change, and they weren't that great. I mean, they sort of caught a lot of teams in a state of transition and were able to supersede them from that aspect. I think the Pac-12 is an underrated conference. You know, at one point, they were the only conference of the Power Five to have six teams with at least six wins. Uh, no other conference could have said that. So they're a little bit deeper than people are giving them credit for. But Lincoln Riley is a phenomenal coach, and he's the biggest reason why they are where they are. No question about it. Mark, before we let you go, uh, any other best bets you have for this week that we didn't touch on? I'll give you a couple more. Um, how can you not take the 22-and-a-half with the Auburn Tigers here, guys? I mean, Auburn needs one win to become bowl eligible. Cadillac Williams, the fall, former Auburn running back, is coaching for a job that he'd like to get possibly at some point in time. Uh, and if he can turn this team around, certainly a feather in his cap. How much will Nick Saban's kids have motivation to play and win this game? How much will Saban actually play his starters? Now, go back to 2015, guys. Since 2015, home favorites of 20 points or more in the final game of the regular season, 51-5 straight up, just 22-34 and 34 against a number that's 30 9% also in regular season finale since 2015 when five win teams are trying to become bowl eligible and have faced teams with better records in season finales. They've gone 23 and 32, 23 and 32 straight up, but 33 and 21 and one against the number that's 60%. And remember last year, Auburn gave Alabama all they could handle. Yeah, they more. did love the Auburn Tigers to cover this 22 and a half this week.